This is Skip Hall welcoming you to Heart of the Athlete, brought to you by the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, featuring athletes, coaches, and sports personalities of the Treasure Valley. Well, changing gears just a little bit here, Chris, I want to just um, dive in a little bit with you on on how you came to the cross, how you gave your life over to Jesus Christ. What were... How, how did how did that uh, how did that transpire in your life? I'll try to give a I'll give a condensed version. <laughs> I've I've been known to give my testimony in anywhere from five to minutes to sixty minutes. So, <laughs> so I'll give a condensed version. But basically, I grew up uh, Catholic. You know, um, my dad actually studied in high school to be a Catholic priest hmm. uh, for two years. And he actually left seminary because of the racism at the seminary. Wow. Uh, as you can see, I'm very, my skin is very light, uh, but I'm African-American. And my dad's similar. So one day he was at, he had been there two years, popular guy, had a lot of friends. And one uh, kid who was a freshman asked him, he was a junior, my dad, asked him why he's so dark. And he's not very dark, but he's, you know, why he's so dark. He said, maybe it's because I'm colored. You know, that was the language of the day back then. Mm-hmm. And he went from that point on, he he began to see during, later in that day, guys were shunning him. These are future priests, future wow. Catholic priests, shunning him, not eating with him at, at lunch and um, leaving him out of conversation. Guys he was close with. Wow. So after a few weeks of this um his parents came and he called him up to come visit him at the seminary and he talked with them and told him what was going on. And his dad said, everybody can't be Jackie Robinson, you know, come on home. And so he <laughs> left. Now, I do think uh, I say this rather tongue in cheek, but that yeah. might be the only instance where uh, uh, some good came out of racism because my dad didn't become a priest. And as you know, <laughs> if he had Catholic priests are celibate right. and I would not be here. <laughs> so um, I'm glad he did not he become he a Catholic never priest. All. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, but uh, so we, I, I don't know if I call him devout, but we went to church every Sunday. You know, mm. I went to Catholic schools my whole life. Good family. My parents will celebrate their 52nd wedding anniversary oh, in a few uh, this month. And so, um, you know, I was. Grew up in a good, stable family, got good grades as a kid, um, wasn't involved in drug use or anything like that. Um, so to a lot of people, I would be considered a good, positive young man. But I was getting involved with, you know, start drinking a lot of alcohol, getting drunk in high school and um, getting involved in sexual immorality. And, and even in college, I was in fraternity and physical hazing, you know, of pledges and things like that. Mm. Um, so I was doing some negative things. And so I wasn't, even though I was raised in the church, so to speak, uh, I was, I didn't knew nothing about a personal relationship with Christ as a Catholic, was never taught to read the Bible. And was given a s- decent foundation because we were, ta- you know, we took religion classes. We obviously were taught the Ten Commandments. We were we learned a lot of stories. We read a lot of stories about Jesus and the disciples and all that stuff. But I never was taught to read the word, never understood anything about having a personal relationship with Christ and wasn't living it, obviously. Uh, In my sophomore year at Oberlin College, I began dating a woman uh, who was a born again Christian. Hmm. And she was really the first 
close friend that I had that she introduced me to biblical Christianity. I was oblivious to what biblical Christianity was. One of my friends on the basketball team was a good player. He was a Christian. Um, I didn't understand him. Honestly, we were friends, but uh-huh. I didn't. I just didn't understand. He wouldn't go to parties with us. Every once in a while, we drag him and he go. But you know, he wouldn't chase the girls with us. He wouldn't go to parties. He wouldn't drink. Like I didn't understand why he lived his the way view. he did. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. his world. And um, but when I met my this girl that I started dating, we got close, and she exposed me to biblical Christianity. On a friendship level. So she would want to pray. And mm-hmm. I was open to praying because I prayed at times at college. And so when we would pray, I would notice that she prayed like she really knew who she was praying to. Like, she was talking to somebody. Yeah, like a she friend. had a personal yeah. relationship yeah. with this guy. Her like father. her father, her yeah. friend. And all I could pray were memorized prayers. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed angel of God, my guardian light. Like all these prayers. I was taught as a Catholic. That's all I could do. So that struck me that, man, she got something that I don't have. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I would go to Bible study with her. You know, um, I liked her. So, yeah, you want to go to Bible study? Sure, I go. (laughs) I wasn't necessarily going for the right reasons, but I I went. At one time, I even fasted with her. The Christian students were fasting on campus, and she fasted. So I even fasted, you know. Um, So she like the investment was worth it, right? Yeah, right. We ended up getting married. That was the the end of the the good news. But so about a year, and it was somewhat of a struggle at times as well, because I was not really trying to live for the Lord, and she was. So we struggled with a lot of different things. And about a year after we had been dating, we went to a church because, again, I would—I was open to going to church with her. And um, this guy, first of all, I went to the church and everybody was excited and happy and smiling and hugging people. And, you know, the words to the songs were up on the screens and everybody was singing. And jo- I had never seen anything like that. You know, growing up Catholic, no disrespect to the Catholic Church, but the services were very solemn. Uh, I never was excited to be in church, except when I was an altar boy, which was fun and made the services go fast, you know. But I wasn't used to that, so that struck me. And the guy who spoke that day was a guest preacher, and he shared, he just shared his testimony how at 16 he was addicted to heroin and used other Mm -hmm. drugs, and he gave his life to Christ, and God turned him around and cleaned him up and the rest is history. And for some reason that at that service was the first time I mm-hmm. really was convicted of my sin. Mm-hmm. Where I understood that I was a sin that my lifestyle was not pleasing to God. And that if I died, uh I would rightfully be eternally separated from him. Mm-hmm. Because I was willing, I, again, I knew the Ten Commandments. I knew basic things about how God wanted me to live and I knew that I was willfully just doing what I wanted to do I was my own Lord Chris Mm -hmm. Broussard and so I knew like man I need to give my life to Christ so they gave the altar call and uh I felt like everybody in that church was pointing at me. There were hundreds <laughs> of people there. I felt like everybody there knew you ain't saved. You need to go you give your sweating. life to the Lord. Yeah, yeah. I was literally praying, God, do not please do not make this man come down and bring me to the <laughs> altar, right? And he didn't. 
So I didn't go down. I didn't get saved because I didn't want to repent. I knew I didn't have to be perfect, but I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to walk away from a sinful lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to even try to serve God. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to be the only. I didn't know many people living, especially guys, my friends living for the Lord. I was like, man, I ain't, I'm not trying to be the only dude up in here, you know, not doing this, not doing that. What are my friends going to think? What are my frat brothers going to think? And so I didn't get saved. So, I, but I knew at from that point on, I knew I was you're on notice, not right? Yeah, I yeah. was on notice exactly. <laughs> so God still blessed me. I went up to school and was acting up, and God blessed me with a summer internship at the Cleveland Plain Dealer, which was the largest newspaper in Ohio at that time. Hmm. May still be, and I did well in the summer internship. It was as a sports writer, and so. Um, at the end of this internship, they told me, you did well. We're going to hire you when you graduate next year. So I had oh. a year left going into my senior year. So you can imagine the excitement and the relief and oh, you have a job. the ecstasy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, to be going into your senior year yeah, and covered. know you've got a job, a job you'll enjoy, a good job in sports. I mean, it was phenomenal. And um, so that I was on this high for a few days or whatever. Uh, but gradually, I began to kind of feel like, is this it? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so now I've got the American Plateaued dream out. yeah, within my grasp. Because that was, I'm not unique, I don't think, in this. But I was raised to think that the American dream is what life was about, mm-hmm. essentially. Like, go to school, do well in school, Chris, get good grades so you can go to a good college, so you can get a good job. And that's it. That's yeah. what life is all about. So you can get a good job, make good money, take care of your family. And that's good. But here I was now with the American dream within my grasp. Okay, now I'm going to have a good job. Now what? Is that? Is this what life is all about? Is this it? And I began to feel an emptiness mm-hmm. inside. Like, man, there's got to be more than this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is it? And, you know... When you have what the world can offer, but you still aren't content, you still feel empty, that can be scary. And I began to feel really, to be honest, miserable. And I knew I was running from the Lord. And I knew it was because I hadn't given my life to him. So I went back up to school and uh, for my senior year and... You know, was trying to do my thing and and do all the negative things I I wanted to do, and I just wasn't happy, wasn't content, and I re, I was looking for loopholes. I remember watching a movie about Elvis Presley on TV in college, my senior year, and seeing that this guy had everything. Mm-hmm. Every, I mean, you. He had like a man's dream, an unsaved man's dream. <laughs> all the women you could want, right? All the yeah, fame, all the, money, all the fortune. The I mean, everything. Access to everything. Yeah, and he was mm-hmm. miserable. Sold all those miserable. records. Yeah, all died those songs. Dr- using drugs to uh, fill that emptiness. Mm-hmm. And obviously that contributed to his death. Um, and I was just like, man, this guy's got it all. And he wasn't happy. He wasn't content. And so my 21st birthday, I was, my parents going to take my me and my girlfriend out to dinner uh, and my dad and I went out to eat before or went out to run errands before we went out to eat and I asked him I said look I said dad I was out of loopholes you know I was looking for all these ways to fill that emptiness that void without giving my life to Christ so finally I asked him I said what keeps you going like 
you know, you got two sons. They're both in college, both doing well. You got a good job, nice house. What keeps you going once you have all that? And everything he said, you know, well, you want a bigger house. You want to make more money. You want to get a nicer car. You want to, um, you know, even help other people, make more money to help other people. Everything he said, I knew that wasn't going to fill this emptiness, this mm -hmm. void that I had in my life. And so I really, I was out of options. <laughs> I felt like God had really broken me down to the point of you're either going to keep running from God and be miserable or you're going to give your life to Christ and find some peace and mm -hmm. some joy. Amen. And so on my 21st birthday, uh, I gave my life to Christ. Wow. And uh, Praise God. So yeah. that's... You know, now I won't say exactly how long that is, but it's a long time now. So I've been saved more than half my life. I can't even fathom not being in the Lord. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of how I came to Christ. Wow, that's a beautiful, beautiful story of what God's done. Well, Chris, uh, and, and folks, if you're just listening, uh, just join in with us and listening to us. We're uh, visiting this morning with Chris Broussard, who, uh, Fox Sports uh, analyst and here on Heart of the Athlete. And, uh, well, Chris, what what what's a passage of scripture maybe that the Lord's been maybe parking you in here recently, maybe in the last six months or year that that God's really been speaking to you? Because I, I always I always like asking that question because I, I, I you know I believe that the the Word of God is living. Yes. That Jesus is living Amen. through the Word of God. Um, I would say Second Corinthians chapter ten verse four and five where. Uh, Paul writes, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, mm. casting out imaginations, and every high thing, every lofty thought that might uh, exalt itself above God, and bringing every thought into captivity to mm. be obedient to Christ. And the reason I say that is because, you know, the the, the phrase I've, I've been focusing on lately is casting out imaginations. Because I think our imaginations, while it can be a good thing, it can also be a bad thing. And um, whether it's you're going in for a job interview and all the negative things that could happen, mm -hmm. this isn't going to go well, they're not going to like me, you know, or worrying about what other people think of you, uh, worrying about what people may be saying to you, about you. You have no idea what they may be saying about you, but your imagination can run wild. Right. And that can lead to fear. It can stop you from doing things God's called you to. God told me to witness to this person, to share the word, but what are they going to think? Those are those imaginations. So I've been focusing on casting out those imaginations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said, they have a phrase, paralysis by analysis. Or even in sports, you hear a lot of coaches say, don't think too much, just play. All of that's your imaginations, right. and, and they can stop you from being all that you can be, being all that God created you to be, from doing God's will. From It can just paralyze you in terms of not doing the things you need to do. Yeah. And so not, imagine, not letting my imagination uh, negatively impact me is something that God's been dealing with me with a lot recently. So that scripture is really... Uh, one I've been focusing on. And and that's the great thing about knowing scripture, man. You know, you you gotta know the word. 
you know you, i love that verse one, one of the things in that verse it has that take every thought captive mm-hmm. and i've heard it described as etc every thought captive you know that and that's abbreviation we yeah. use but to be able to do that so um yeah so yeah i oh, love that passage well thanks for sharing that with us hey chris you uh last month you were in town to talk about gates of hope and you gave a, a very inspirational speech um can you just talk a little bit about why you came here and just what your thoughts were of the of the cause and maybe there's a facility that opened up that hosted it called t3 thought that was pretty interesting as well yeah i um one of the great things about my job is that i have this national platform you know so i speak around the country uh at different churches different ministries colleges secular and christian events um and so gates of hope is really a great ministry and they uh, contacted me about bringing me in to speak to um, some of the people that are involved in the ministry and even people that aren't uh, in the community. Mm-hmm. And one thing they do is um, they work with a lot of the refugees here in Boise through basketball, uh, just developing relationships with them and particularly the kids and um, just loving on them and, you know, trying to minister to them through friendship and relationships, not just preaching at them and things like that. Um, And so I thought it was a very worthwhile cause. Uh, I think it's a great ministry. And um, so it was just a pleasure to be able to share uh, with them. And they they gave me a tour of the facility that you mentioned, T3. Um, It's still in the construction stages or the the building stage, if you will. Mm -hmm. But it looks like they're going to have a great um, program as far as being able to help kids, not just refugees, but all people in the community um, learn and improve in basketball, you know, and in character. Uh, they want to help the kid use the game of basketball to help people develop better character regardless of their faith. Um, and that's, you know, really what it's all about. I mean, basketball in particular uh, was you know, created by a minister, Dr. James Naismith. (laughs) And his grandson, I believe, said that he created it to be an evangelistic tool. Um, And sports is, I think, one of the guy's greatest creations. And if you just Mm -hmm. look at this country, obviously Mm -hmm. even now we're in a time where the racial strife and division is really increased. Um, And I would say that sports – with all due respect to Dr. Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement, which was great. I think sports has probably done more for race relations Mm -hmm. in this country than anything. Um, because African-Americans have been very dominant in sports. And, um, so that's endeared African-Americans to the greater society to a large degree. So that's led to a lot of change. Obviously we have a long way to go, but that just shows the power of sports. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, sports has even, in many ways, um, been better at racial reconciliation, if you will, than the church in many yeah. <laughs> instances, you know, sadly, but true. And so um, I think that what Gates of Hope is doing is just phenomenal in using sports mm-hmm. to uh, further the gospel and help people. So, Chris, that's uh, you've, you talk about your national platform. You've also started something called the King Movement. And you are the president and the founder of that. And yeah. I think t- 
tell people about what what that is in the few minutes we have left. Yeah, what the King Movement is, um, first of all, it's an acronym that stands for Knowledge, Inspiration, and Nurture Through God. And it's basically a Christian men's movement that, in a nutshell, wants to help strengthen men in their daily walks with Christ through accountability, encouragement, support, teaching, and brotherhood. And so a lot of men need that brotherhood um, to, you know, faithfully walk out their faith throughout the week on mm-hmm. the job, right. in your marriage, yeah. in your relationships with your friends. And your children. Your children, and, yeah. yeah the, and, and so we just believe that the gospel, we because of my life story and, and everybody in King, we all had transformations. I mean, I'm a, I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. Uh, I have a better relationship with my wife, with my children, uh, because of my faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, it's made me a better citizen. And it's made me love people more and, and have more compassion. Uh, it's given me a, a, a better moral framework for my life. And so our feeling is if that's how we should be as Christians. We mm-hmm. should all live that way. Amen. And um, we feel like if those of us who follow Christ will live that way, men in particular, mm-hmm. that we could really uh have a great impact on our society. Our families would be better. Um, our marriages would be better. And that would be a light and a witness. We'd be sought in light to this country and this world. And we all enjoy living in America. And we love America. And we feel like that would even make America a better place and yeah. a better nation. Yeah. And so um, that's in a nutshell what King is about. We have about 14 chapters throughout the country. Hmm. And we meet, our chapters meet Praise monthly. We do community service. We do evangelistic outreach. In the one example is in Los Angeles. We, we This summer, we had a basketball league where we had uh, nearly 50 guys from the community playing in the league, 18 years and up. And to play in the league, you had to attend a Bible study before every game. And we had a true manhood series that we taught at the uh, – you know, in the Bible study. Mm-hmm. And so that was a way it's like Gates of Hope to use basketball to really minister and witness to men who might not go to church. They may never go to church or they have they're for some mm-hmm. reason, they're antagonistic toward the church. And so um, that's just one example of what we do as the King movement. Ultimately, we want to work with other Christians to help unite the body of Christ, the Bible-believing body of Christ in America across racial, denominational, and Mm -hmm. political lines. And we believe if we do that, as Jesus said in John 17, when we are one, the world will believe that the Father sent Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's what we want. our love. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So our love for one another, you know, and the way we treat each other and things like that. So... That ultimately is one one thing the King Movement wants to work mm-hmm. with other Christians to do. So, wow. um, yeah, it's you can learn more about it at kingmovement.com. Um, so, yeah. Amen. Oh, praise God. You know, Chris, I know you've been involved in FCA a little bit. You've spoken at FCA huddles at both some colleges and some high schools. Yeah. And, and I know you've been involved with Athletes in Action. You're on the board with AIA. And I actually wrestled for Athletes in Action one summer. Got to oh, go down wow. to South America and wrestle in Panama and Peru. 
and I, they used to do a lot of traveling teams, and I know FCA does some of that now too. And um, I know, obviously, you've seen a lot of coaches over your days, being a sports broadcaster, being an athlete yourself. And I know one of the things with FCA, we're we're, we're trying to pour a lot into coaches, and uh, and uh, so uh, you know, being able to help coaches not just be a Christian, go to church on Sunday, but then you know, act like the rest of the world the rest yeah. of the week but trying to integrate their relationship with christ and and like some of what you're talking about here and i i was on your website and one of the things you that you like to talk about is maintaining your faith in a secular career and i know there's a lot of folks listening that may not be athletes may not be coaches but they got you know they're they're believers and they're wanting to integrate their their faith in christ and you know what, what are a, a few things that that you could encourage them uh, some of our yeah. listeners and uh, in, in, in what they do every day and their calling at their job or their career. I think one of the things, one of the problems that we have is that a lot of times we compartmentalize our life. You know, we have our Christian, you know, our church and maybe if we're involved in any ministry away from our job, then we have our job, then, you know. Um, and I, I think we're not called to compartmentalize our life. You know, obviously, I mean, you see me on television. I'm not preaching the gospel on television and stuff, but um, you have to take your faith everywhere you go, even on the job. And if you do that, then I think that's going to lead you to live out your faith mm -hmm. uh, in your workplace. Folks, we uh, want to thank our sponsors because without them, without God using our sponsors, we wouldn't be able to, to have these different speakers or different coaches and athletes on the air. So we uh, want to thank uh, Jim's Well Drilling. Uh, he's a great man of God, and, and, and he has an office in McCall in Boise. And if you need a well drilled on your property, you have some questions about your current well, uh, give Jim a call. And we uh, just appreciate all of his support of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes as well as Awakenings Coffee there at Five Mile and Overland. We appreciate their support and uh, supporting FCA. And then Hall & Associates, uh, their financial services here in Boise. And uh, that's uh, Coach Skip Hall. And then uh, Mike Verdon Auto and RV Sales. We just appreciate all his support. He supports us at our golf tournament every year. And then he helps support this program and getting this on the airways. If you know any of these folks, you you frequent their business, tell them thank you for from us and for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Thank you.